Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Message. Today's message is part two of our Modern Family series by Pastor Mitch Rose. Amen. Luke chapter 10. We're in the second week of our... uh, I'm not going to read real quick, but I do preach better with a soundtrack. So, yeah. Uh, We're in the second week of... uh, of our family series called Modern Family. Listen, I don't want you to raise your hand, but maybe you've seen this series on, on TV. It's actually the highest rated, I don't know, it's the highest rated sitcom on television uh, by this name, Modern, Modern Family. And it's that way for a couple of different reasons. I haven't seen a lot of episodes. What I've seen is a little, it's humorous. Uh, but the other thing I think that people like is that they like the fact that there's somebody on TV that's family's just as crazy as theirs. You know what I mean? Just as messed up as theirs and... And uh, a little wild and wacky. And uh, so we're kind of talking about family and modern families um, and sort of what it looks like to follow God in a modern context today. As you're turning to Luke, the, the 10th chapter, let me ask you an honest question. Not that you aren't. Okay, seriously. Yeah, I'm not going to read. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, the, uh, the question I want you to ask yourself that we're sort of going to answer throughout the course of the day today in our time together, and I want you to be really honest, not that you aren't always honest uh, in church. Sometimes you're not, sometimes you lie about it, but I want you to be extremely honest in this one. How many of you would say that at, at, at now or at some point in your life you have been absolutely stressed to the max? Would you just raise your hand? Everybody in the room almost, everybody in the room. Okay, let me ask you this, and this is going to be a little bit deeper question than that one, a little bit more honest than this. How many of you would say that money is a contributing factor to your stress and that at some point, either right now or some point in your past, you have been stressed about money? You would say, you know, bills are coming in, the economy just really hasn't recovered like I wish it would, uh, at least in the business I'm in, and things are tight, they're not what they used to be, and so occasionally I get really stressed out about money. I'm just curious about how many of you would say that's true. Would you just raise your hand if that's true? Yep. Uh, how many of you would say, uh, I, I wish I had more time to spend with people, that the major stress that I have in my life is that I feel like I don't have enough time with the people that I love. I don't have time with my spouse. I don't have enough time with my kids. I am pulled in a hundred different directions and I have so much to do that time is my biggest stressor. Would you just raise your hand all over the house? Yeah. So today, this is, this is, this is kind of what I figure. It, hands are going up all, all over the place. This is sort of indicative of the culture that we live in. How many of you know that we live in a culture that pushes us to the limits of what we can do? It literally pushes us to the limits. We live in a culture that says that you need to buy more and you need to do more, and you need to accomplish more, and you need to conquer more, and you need to be more, and you need to have more, and you need to lose more, and you need to tan more, or whatever. You need to do more, more, and more, and more, and more, and more, and more. And it's insane the pace that you and I live in our culture. It's insane how stressed we are as a culture. It's insane the level at which we push ourselves and our family to sort of keep up this image that I'm busy and I'm so busy I don't have time for anything else. And my busyness has created sort of this this tension in my life and in my relationships and in our family. It's amazing if you've got kids uh, in elementary school, school starting back, so... Uh, it's amazing, seven, eight-year-old kids, you know, they come home and there's piles of homework. Is that true for anybody else? 
Yeah, it's, I don't know, what do they do during the day? I don't know what they do during the day, because all the schoolwork's done at night, and so they come home with, with hours. If you're a school teacher, you're upset about that. I didn't, it's not your fault. Uh, they come home at night with hours worth of homework, and then, uh, besides all the homework, four or five nights a week, they have extracurricular activities, you know, and there's, there's sports, and we're taking them over here, and we're taking them over there. And it's amazing to me, sometimes when I meet with parents uh, of, of young kids, or, or even teenagers, who, who the things that we impose on our kids end up imposing on us. Because I want my son to be a star bas- basketball player or baseball player or football player, you know. And then, but then when the schedules get crazy, then I go, this is crazy, another night. And, and so we impose this sort of stuff on our family. And we don't realize before too long it's imposing on us and our relationships with our family. And we're stressed out. And as a people, as a culture, it's amazing sort of the limits that we're pushed to. I need a couple of guys. Come here, Sean. Come here, Brother David. You guys come, come, come. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck. Chuck, 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 wake up. Come here. Hurry. Come, come, come. Come here, Pastor Randy. Brother Dale, come here, come here, come here. Stand on the edge of the platform, just the edge of the platform. I want you to get your feet as far over as you possibly can without falling. Now, if you fall, we're going to laugh, and I'm not kidding about that. This is sort of how we live our lives. Always on the edge, just about to fall over. This is sort of what culture says is acceptable to us. And so we have this, we, we go so far that we hurt. Do you feel that? Like, if, you're not, if you don't feel it right there, you're not doing it right. I want you to get close as you can. <laughs> I tried this last week. Trust me, it hurts. We get so close to the edge of literally just blowing up and falling off the cliff. You know what I mean? And, and, and any little thing, if you've if you got kids, you know this. Any little thing, or if you're married, <laughs> any little thing your spouse... <laughs> my wife's not here this service. Anything that, that happens sort of pushes you over the edge. And you wind up splayed out all over the place and in front of everybody. And you're, and, and you're wondering, how in the world did I get down here in front of everybody? And I'm... I'm broken and I'm messed up. It's because our whole lives are a balancing act on the edge. And any sort of pressure from the outside sort of pushes us over the edge. And today I want to talk about in the modern family what it would be like, what if you and I decided to create margin in our lives. Now guys, I want you to take two or three steps back. Two or three steps back. Margin in our lives margin in our lives so that we don't always feel like we're right on the edge of having a nervous breakdown. Right on the edge of losing our families. Right on the edge of losing our relationship with God because we're just so stressed out. We're so busy that we don't have time for anything or or, or anybody. It's amazing just how hard it is to create margin. I want you to write that to the top of your paper if you're taking notes. The back of your worship guide is a great place to take Sermon notes. And so we're going to sort of get a working definition of what margin is. What we're going to call margin today. Margin, it's a real simple definition. It's like this. It's the amount beyond what is necessary. Margin is the amount beyond what I have to have. It's the amount beyond what I have to have. Let me give you a better, maybe more simple definition. Stay right where you are, guys. It's the difference between what I have and what I need. It's the difference between what I have and what I need. I have enough space. I can balance on here, but I have more margin if I take a step back. Now I've got a step worth of margin. Does that make sense? 
Now, these gentlemen have two steps worth of margin. If I need 30 minutes to get to work and it only takes me 20, I have... Ten minutes of margin. If I have a if I have a hundred dollars and I only have eighty dollars worth of bills, I have twenty. Are you guys? You can have a seat. Thank you, guys. Twenty dollars worth of of margin. I have some margin in my life. We're going to talk about margin today and sort of creating margin. It's the difference between what I have and what I need. And, and so everybody in the room, you and I, we have lived our lives so close to the edge. Culture has sort of pushed us to the limit so close to the edge that when we finally do get margin, it's a unique way to live and we feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> you ever showed up to work early and said, what in the world am I doing here? <laughs> You ever got to work before anybody else did and you thought, this is weird. I don't <laughs> Like, I've got time to drink coffee and stuff. I don't like this. <laughs> I'm actually wearing all my clothes and I didn't, I didn't put my shoes on in the car. This is strange. You ever showed up to church early? <laughs> Some of you need more margin in your lives when it comes to church. Some of you this morning, I know it without, without talking to anybody in the room. I know what happened to some of you this morning. Some of you had sort of... Uh, the huge fight with your family and you're running late and you're running in and you miss the first worship song and you're beating each other up and you're cussing at one another and you're yelling at each other and talking about it. And it's never your fault. It's never your fault. Whoever's related to her is in trouble. It's never your fault. Never your fault. He made me late. She made me late. They made me late. Brandy and I were early to everything till we had kids. It's amazing what this 36 inches of human being has done to our lives. We can't get, we can't get to anything. It always sneaks up on us. I tell Brandy, you know, Sundays come around every single Sunday. Every single week we're going to have church. You know what I mean? We got seven days to prepare for it and get it all ready. And it doesn't matter because Sunday morning we're all running around like we forgot we had to wear clothes today. And we for. We don't create margin in our lives. We don't create margin in our finances. We don't create moral margin. Some of you margin your finances. Listen, margin financially would be having money, actual real money left over at the end of your month. (laughs) Some of you think that's miraculous. Let me say it real slow for you. It's having money left over at the end of the month. That's biblical proportion kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's where we don't fully extend ourselves. It's where we decide we're going to create margin. That we don't have to have a bigger house because they do. That I don't care how fast the Joneses go. We don't have to keep up with them. Because we're tired of living our lives almost over the edge. We need margin in our life. Moral margin, it, 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 puts, it puts some distance between you and temptation. It, it, it puts in a buffer and some guardrails so that you don't fall off into destructive behavior. It's moral margin. Somebody asks me sometimes, is it wrong if I do this or if I go there? And I always say, in and of itself, that thing's not wrong. But does it leave you margin? 
in and of itself, is it sinful? Probably not. If you're looking for Bible, usually that's what people mean when they ask a preacher, is it sinful? They usually mean, can you find me something with a thee and a thou in it and show it to me? You know what I mean? <laughs> thou, that, if it doesn't say thou shalt not, I can do it, right? <laughs> it, it Does it say? No, it probably doesn't. The Bible doesn't say a lot of thou shalt not. There's not a bunch of them. There's ten pretty big ones and then the rest of it's kind of subjective. The rest of it is about margin. That's why we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit here. Because Holy Spirit empowerment literally is the moral margin of your life. It's the distance between you and temptation. It's the distance that you put inside of yourself. Listen, if you've got a problem with old girlfriends, you probably shouldn't send them a friend request on Facebook. That's moral margin in your life. Some of you wives are glad I said that. That's moral margin. We create margin to have the emotional capacity to deal with something. Listen, what if you, were, you had enough emotional margin in your life that when you went home from work, you, you didn't like just flip out on your kids about the, the, the stupidest, craziest things? What if you had emotional margin that, that when your husband or your wife did something, you know, it's not really big, but Derek, it's just that little something, and then, and then you spark, and you know, and it just kind of blows up, and everybody after it blows up, usually you look around and you go, how did we get all this blood on us? What happened here? I don't even know what happened. It's because we're both living so close to the edge that we don't have emotional margin for one another. That we give each other room. And culture, our culture, our world has told you that real living and living life to the fullest is living life just like this with more, with bigger, with more, with greater. You've got to have more. You've got to do more. You've got to be more. You can't have enough. You're not going to stop there. Surely you're not just going to do this. Surely it's not just that car. You've got to have more and more and more. And it pushes us to the edge. And so many of us live our lives stressed to the max. And our families are tightly wound. And living on the edge. Because we don't have margin. Because we don't have a space between us. Margin would be extra time or money to invest in, in ministries you believe in. It would be not, not stressing yourself so that you don't have time or, or, or money to be able to really invest in things that, that you'd love to do. Some of you would love to take a mission trip. You'd love to... Go overseas and, and you'd love to invest in, in another country and people in another country, but you just don't have the margin to do that, you know? Your life is so stressed at work and financially you just, you just push yourself and pull yourself so far. Am I making sense? Say amen. amen. You don't have any margin to, to invest in the things that you want to. Some of you, listen, here, here's the big one. What if I had some spiritual margin in my life? Where everything that came along didn't rock my spirituality and didn't sort of rock me off of my faith. What, what if I had some spiritual margin that, that, that I could say, God, listen, I've got, I've got enough spiritual margin that I don't have to just read the Bible in church. <laughs> I can like read it at home. <laughs> I've created enough margin in our family that we can pray together at home more than just God bless this food. Please don't let it kill us. Amen. My little girl, sorry for the personal references again, my little girl, she, every prayer that we pray at night, in the morning, every time that we pray, it's the same exact prayer. It's God, please bless our food. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Every single prayer. I don't know if we just eat a lot. And she, she's, this is kind of what she's into. 
Listen, we got to get beyond that. I know some Christians who've been in church 20 years, that's all they pray. Because we don't have spiritual margin where we just get in God's presence more than Sunday. And, and we get in God's word together as a family. We, we don't have... We don't have Now listen, 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 listen. Here's why this matters. Because I believe the most important things in life happen in the margins. I don't know if you've ever read a good book that somebody else has, has read. Anybody go to the library? Anybody know what a library is? <laughs> have a lot of books. and You can rent them. You know, and they're free. You don't have to pay. And rent them. What's the right word? Yeah, rent them. Yeah. Uh, you can take them, you know, and then you bring them back. Or you don't. And, you know, you go to hell. Whatever. And... You ever read a good book that somebody gave you and, and the book's really good, but, but the, the best stuff is like their notes in the margin. You know what I'm talking about? You, 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 ever, you ever got like your grandmama's Bible, you know, and, and it's, all, it's all worn and weathered and, and, and the Bible itself is, I mean, it's, it's worthy of a read, but, but the good stuff is sort of the stuff that, that they wrote in the margin. They, you know, they underlined this and they highlighted that because the most important things usually happen in the margin. Listen. The most important things in your life and in my life happen in the margins that we create. The most important things in our lives don't happen when we're on the edge and we're barely making it and we're barely holding on. It's almost not enough. The most important things in our lives are the times with our families that we create margin for. The most important spiritual times you'll have, listen close, is not in this house. It's in your house. In the margin. The most important financial decisions you'll make are not bigger houses and bigger cars and promotions and this and that. And listen, we're in a church that believes in blessing and provision and prosperity. You're in a church that the Bible teaches that kind of stuff. But listen, we have got to warn against materialism in Christianity. We've got to get away from more and more and more and more. Because the best stuff we have is in the margins of our lives. The most important things in life happen in the margins. And I want to show you that in the Bible. Luke chapter 10. Here we go to the Bible. Luke 10 verse 38. I'm going to read a story of two different women. Just so happened to be women. I'm not picking on women today. Who, uh, who sort of dealt with this issue differently. You've, I'm sure you've read this before if you've been around church or Christianity for any period of time. <clears throat> they, uh, they sort of dealt with margin differently and how to, uh, how to sort of interact with what goes on in life. Luke 10 and verse 38. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the screen. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Jesus and his disciples were on their way and he came to a village where a woman named Martha had a home and she opened it up to Jesus. And ostensibly, she opened it up to the disciples too. The Bible doesn't say that, but if they're all traveling together, it'd be kind of weird to go, you're welcome, they're not. <laughs> so they're all together in Martha's house. Just so happens, Martha's sister is Mary, and she's over Martha's house. And she sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So they all come over to Martha's house, and Jesus is there, and all the disciples are there. I don't know if Mary and Martha were single. I got a feeling if you, if you get a bunch of 30-year-old guys together, all the single girls like hang out at Martha's house, you know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> there's a bunch of single guys, right? You with me? Just what happens, we're all here together. Look at that. So Mary comes over and Martha's there. Mary sits at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was, everybody say distracted. She was distracted. 
by all the preparations. Notice the Bible here. I love, I love this language. Don't, don't ever just sort of read over passages and not, not really process what's being said here. Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. They had to happen. Martha was doing the stuff that had to be done. It's interesting that we have sort of two women with the exact same opportunity. We've got Mary and, and Martha and, and Jesus is present. So Mary sort of creates this moment with Jesus. She had stuff she could do. I'm sure she had stuff that, you know, you, you get it, it, it just life happens and grocery shopping is supposed to happen and, and tidying up and, 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 and getting it all together. But she said, listen, for just a moment, I'm going to create this margin in my life. Jesus is in our house and I don't want to miss this opportunity. Mary said, I've got time alone with Jesus and I'm going to take this time alone with Him. So she responds with this opportunity by saying, I'm going to sit right here and get everything I can get with that. But Martha, she was like, she was like the way that you and I live our lives. You know, the world that tells us to live our lives. She was distracted by stuff that she had to do. She's freaking out. It's interesting to me that she wasn't distracted by something that was evil. Listen, Martha was not distracted by sin. She was distracted by something that had to be done. She was distracted by good things, right things, stuff that, that had to be done. But many of us, listen, many of us here today, we, that's the stuff that distracts us. It's not sinful stuff. It's not stuff that, that, you know, we're just sort of wasting our time, wasting our money, wasting our lives. This is stuff that's got to be done. But we're distracted by that kind of stuff. And she's thinking in her mind, Jesus is here. That means I've got to get to work. I've got I to get everything together. I've got to put out the good plates. We can't use paper plates. Jesus is here. I've got to get out the company plates. You know what I mean? You can't use those cups from Rudy's. You know what I mean? You've got to use real cups. Do you all use cups from Rudy's like I do? Yeah, you do. Sure you do. But not when Jesus is over you don't. You get out real cups. Martha says, we got to use the real stuff. we got to use good china. we got to light candles. I don't know why we do that. If you ever come to my house and my wife knows about it, we're going to light every candle we own. Forty, eleven different scents. Smell terrible together. That's what we do. Jesus is in the house. i got to make preparations. Hey, listen, it's not sinful. It's not wrong. It's just distractions. She's distracted with good things from the best thing. Let me say that again. She's distracted with good things from the best thing. The best thing she could have done is sit at His feet. But the good thing she thought she had to do was work and, and prepare and get ready. And How many times in my life, in your life, are we distracted from the best things God has for us because we're too busy doing the good things that we feel like has to be done? Somebody says this, I love this, and, and I want you to write this down. If Satan, our spiritual enemy, cannot make us really, really bad, he will make us really, really busy. If Satan, our spiritual enemy, your spiritual enemy, if he can't make you really, really bad, and listen, spirit-empowered believers, I think it's pretty tough to make you really, really bad. Listen to what I'm telling you. That's why we believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you again. Because it's tough to make you really, really bad. But if I can't make you really, really bad, here's what I'll do. I'll make you really, really busy. I'll distract you from the best things in life. Listen. 
If I can't make you leave your relationship with God, at least I'll distract you on Sunday morning so you leave church attendance. If I can't distract you from fully supporting God, I, I mean, if I can't keep you from fully tithing or supporting God, then I'll just distract you with the car breaking down and other stuff coming up and school supplies and stuff. Stuff that distracts me. It's good stuff. But it distracts me from the best stuff. And I get really, really busy with good stuff. It's hard to make you really, really bad, but it's not so hard to make you and I really, really busy. Because all of culture sort of works in symphony together, pushing us all towards the edge. No margin. With no margin. And before long, you sort of, you know, you find people like this. Pastor Josh, you know this is true. And, 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 and so many of you found this to be true maybe in your life or in someone that you know. You know, in light of real busyness, there, there usually ends up in a bad place. What starts as a busy place ends up in a bad place. I, I know it sounds simple, but missing Sunday is, is easy when you miss the last one. It gets easier the more you miss. I know this to be true. Listen, Brother Poppy, this is so true for me. I know because I miss the gym all the time. I've been missing it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. I don't even think about it no more. Derek, it don't even hurt no more. No. Because I'm busy. Now listen, busyness in and of itself isn't bad. Until it takes you to bad. Until you realize the distractions in your life have kept you from what God has for you. That focusing on the lesser things in your life has kept you away from the most important thing in your life. Sometimes I study and I work from home. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at my, at my desk in our, in our house. And, and my little girl, again, pardon the personal reference, my little girl comes up and 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 she she's she's an artist. She loves to color. She's left-handed. We don't know where she got that from. So she's she's our talented left-handed artist, and she loves to color on everything but paper. She loves to color on everything, everything. So she uh, she she colors, and she so she comes to my desk, and I'm you know I'm working on God stuff, you know, preacher stuff, church stuff, spiritual stuff, you know. And my little girl comes running up. She's daddy, you color with me. And I, I remember very distinctly sort of this, this time. It wasn't this particular time studying, but I remember distinctly I said, not harsh, I didn't mean it harsh, but I, I just said out loud, baby, I'm doing something important right now. And the Holy Spirit convicted me of the language that I used. It wasn't that, it wasn't that, that, I, that I said something innately wrong. It's that I placed the importance in the wrong arena. I was doing good stuff. But the important thing was family. Some of you struggle with the tension between, but this is good stuff. This is stuff that has to happen. So so many of us are consumed and obsessed and possessed with sort of accomplishing the urgent thing. The thing that we think is so important. I got to I gotta get our kids through college. I got it. We, we got it. We got it. We're almost paid off. It's almost there. We're all, listen, we're almost in a bigger house. We almost got it together. I've almost got that promotion. I've all, men, we do this. I've almost got it. It's, we're almost there. And we sacrifice the important things on the altar 
of the urgent things. And the important thing in our life is waiting in the room. Martha, listen. Listen to me, listen. The important thing, the best thing, is in your living room. And Mary recognizes the best thing. And Martha's house. Martha's distracted without margin. Verse 40, I love this. Verse 40 in the middle of the verse, I, I love the way this sort of, I think this is hilarious how this sort of works out. Martha kind of freaks out and she runs to Jesus and she says, Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me doing the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say how old they are, but listen, you're never too old to tattle. You know what I mean? Never. You ever tattled to God on somebody else? I have. I'll just tell you that. I've tattled to God on a lot. Some of y'all. I just tattled. No, not y'all. I'm kidding. Pastor Josh, Pastor Randy, that's all. I've tattled to God. God, tell them to get busy. God, tell them this is not the right way. God, tell them that this is what I have to do. They don't understand what I have to do. God, tell them that this, tell them to come help me. And Martha sort of runs up and says, I'm t- This is the, what I love about this passage is that Martha is really convinced that she can convince Jesus that she's doing the important thing. Right? That's what we do. We say, God, I want to come to church, but come on, now you know this is important. Isn't that what we do? God, I want to spend time with my family. I want to be able to tithe. I want to be able to get... But God, you know, and we sort of convince or try to convince God that the other thing I'm doing is important. And the truth of the matter is it was. It was. It was a good thing. It wasn't the best thing. The greatest challenge I have today is to convince you that the thing that is distracting you and causing you to be marginless in your life is not wrong. It's not sin, but it's not the best. The enemy, Jim Collins, I love this book. The enemy, uh, he wrote in his book, Good to Great. The enemy of great is not bad. It's good. The enemy of great is good enough. The enemy of a great relationship with God is a good enough relationship with God. The enemy of a great marriage is a good marriage. The enemy of a great family is a good family. The enemy of a great prayer life is a good prayer life. Because it's hard to convince people who have a good thing going that there's a great thing waiting for them. Say amen to that. It's so hard to convince you. So hard to convince me that the pace that we're living is unbiblical. Listen close. That the pace that you and I are living in modern America is not biblical. And it's unsustainable. And it's the tool of the enemy for us to be consumed with materialism and stuff and position so that we miss the margin where the important things happen. That's why Romans 12 and verse 2 says this. Paul's writing to Romans and he says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Let me ask you a quick question. Why do we think the way everybody else does it's the right way? You ever wondered that? Their, their marriage is the right marriage. And their parenting style is the right parenting style. And their career path is the best career path. And their financial status is greater. Paul says, listen, I don't care what everybody else in this world does. 
I don't, my mama used to say, if your friends jumped off, your, your, say that to you. your friends jumped off a bridge, would you do it too? They didn't really want an answer. I learned that quickly. She, did, she didn't want an answer. That was rhetorical. Paul said, I don't care what everybody else on the job's doing. Everybody's working 80 hours a week because that's what we have to do. That's fine, but I've got a family. Everybody else works Sundays. That's fine, but I go to church. Everybody else's kids goes to Wednesday night baseball practice, but not ours because we're in church. Because I've decided, Paul said, to not be conformed. If the world pushes me to the edge, here's what I've decided to do. I've decided to step back a few steps and create some margin in my life. He said, don't, don't be conformed to this world. doesn't matter what they do, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to attest and approve what is the will of God is good and pleasing and is perfect Will, some of you are already struggling with this message because you're saying he's not talking to our family. He's not talking to us. That sounds good, but he doesn't know what I have to do, the obligations I have. Listen, I'm not pushing for you to make minor changes in your life. If You're bright people. Listen, you're smart people. If minor changes would have fixed what's wrong with your family, you would have made minor changes a long time ago. I'm not asking you for minor changes. I'm not asking us for minor changes. I'm asking us as a church family to decide that we're going to be radically different than what this world says is acceptable. That we're not going to allow this world to push us to the edge where we freak out and lose our marriages. That we're going to let the world push us to the edge where we don't have any margin with our kids. We're going to let the world push us to the edge where we don't have financial margin or, or, or moral margin or emotional margin and we just... We literally lose it at 40, 50, 60 years old. We just melt down because we didn't create margin. Luke 10 and verse 41. Jesus replied and he said, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. I've wanted to say that a few times. Why are you so upset? Why are you so mad? But one thing is needed. Mary has chosen. Listen, what is better it's not that you've chosen wrong it's that you didn't choose best and Mary chose what's better and it will not be taken away from her here's what you have to understand the choice is yours I know you're saying I know because I say this I say well you don't know what and I have to and we have to listen there's no have to there's no got to there's no it's about what choice I'm going to make If I'm going to create, if I'm going to let my family be ripped apart with stress, if we're going to create margin. So let's just talk practically. In about five or six minutes, let's talk practically. I'm going to give you two ways. I know you know this. You're smart. I know you've already been thinking this. But let me just give it to you so you can write it down. Two two ways that you can create margin or, or, or what happens when margin sort of decreases in your life. Number one, when margin decreases, your stress increases. When margin decreases, your stress increases. If you're running, if you're running late, and, and your margin decreases, your stress increases. If, 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 if you don't have enough money at the end of the month and, and, and you have margin that's decreased, your stress level increases. If, if, and, and morality issues, if, you're, if you sort of get right to the edge, you know, I didn't do it, but we, you know, we came right to the edge and we got real close, your stress level increases because when margin decreases, it stresses you and your family to the max. When margin decreases, 
Your stress level increases. It's, it, it's, true, it, it's true in your financial uh, life. It's, it's true in every area of your life. When something breaks, has this ever happened to you? Your, your wife tells you, your husband tells you something breaks, and you just flip out, you know? Like, it's just a vacuum cleaner. It's not really worth flipping out about. But because we're so financially stretched, now you've got two problems. I've got a broken vacuum cleaner, and I ain't got no money to fix it. Because <laughs> when margin... Y'all don't live like that, do you? No, sure. No, sure. We do. I'm, me and you going to have church. I stay over second service. <laughs> These folks going to go home. Me and you going to do something at 11. Because when margin decreases, my stress increases. My family feels it. The modern family is so tightly wound. Because we've let go of margin. And our stress levels up. Or two, when margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases. This is where we'll camp out for the rest of our time. When margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases. As margin decreases, your relational intimacy decreases. Let me say it one more time. When margin decreases, your ability to be intimate on a relational level decreases with it. Those of you who are busy, you're frustrated, you're challenged. Listen, your mind rarely disengages from what you're doing. You go on vacation for six days, and the first three days it takes you to unwind. And then on day four, you wake up and realize you only got two more days and you're stressed about it. <laughs> right? No, seriously. Right? You, you, you go on vacation the whole time and you wake up real early so you can sneak in emails and on your Blackberry. <laughs> you know? Or, 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 or you don't really rest. You know, people go on vacation and they skydive and bungee jump, do crazy stuff. <laughs> your stress level's wild. It's all, you, you don't rest. We don't rest. And, and our mind is sort of... Listen, there, you, you go to dinner. I saw four people at dinner uh, the other night. We were sitting there and, and there was a family of four. It's a true story. Family of four sitting beside us. And I thought, hey, how cool, family of four. You know, they're out together. And, they're, and then I realized the longer I sat there, every one of them, mom, dad, two kids, on their phones. Somebody's tweeting, somebody's on Facebook, somebody's texting, somebody's emailing. And, and you know what they're Facebooking? Dinner with family. What? <laughs> I have a dinner with your family? You have a dinner with all those people you call friends. Because as margin decreases, my ability to relate and be intimate with, the, the, with other humans in my life, it decreases as well. Listen, in my marriage, relational intimacy decreases. With my kids, relational intimacy de- decreases. Listen, with my relationship with God, as I don't have margin and I live my life on the edge, it's tough for me to connect with God's presence. Because I come to church, and listen, if you, don't, if you don't listen to anything, if you slept the whole time, I want you to wake up just a minute, punch somebody, wake up, listen. You come to church, and all you're trying to get is a word to get through today. I just need a word to get through this week. I just need a word to get through. Now listen, there's sometimes I come to church and I'm that way. And I need an encouraging word. And I love that. But we have, listen, there's too many people outside those doors who are going to hell. We don't have time to come to church and just come get a word for us. When I get to church, I got to get close to Him. I got to get close and intimate with Him. And I can't do that if I don't have any margin. Because all of my spiritual margin is spent up on just getting through today. 
just getting through this week, just trying to make it, trying to keep our marriage together, trying to keep it on. Listen, that's what church is for. I'm not telling you that's not, I don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that people who have believed in Jesus, who are spirit-empowered people, when we come to church, we have got to have enough margin that we make room for people who can make life-changing decisions and give their heart to God. we got to have enough spiritual margin. That's what I love about Christian life. 150 of you yesterday had enough spiritual margin that you can serve other people. That's what I love about our volunteer force. That's spiritual margin. That says every time I come to church, I don't have to be fed. Sometimes I can feed. Yeah, I'm preaching now. Margin, margin, margin. I know we're almost done. Listen, here's what I want to tell you. You have to, I have to, get to the point where we stop elevating good things to supreme things. Let me give you a Bible word for this. Idolatry is simply elevating good things to supreme things. Idol worship, idolatry in the Bible is simply taking a good thing. And elevating it to a supreme thing. I am not telling you that the stuff that we're involved in are bad things. But I am telling you, when we elevate them to the point of supreme things, they become idolatry. And this has always, listen, every spiritual matter, everything you ever hear preached over this pulpit, listen close, listen, listen. Everything you ever hear preached in this pulpit is always a matter of who or what Do you trust? Do I trust in money? Do I trust in my ability to work? Do I trust in my job? Am I trusting in our family name? Am I trusting? Or do I fully and completely put my trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone? Otherwise, I hate to tell you, it's idolatry. Otherwise, It becomes the thing that we worship. And I hate to tell you, but the God of the Bible is jealous and will not compete with your stuff. He will not compete with my busyness. He will not compete with my idols. He will not compete or share. Listen, look look at me. Listen, men, women, look at me. You will not compete with a wife, with a husband who is faithful most of the time. One night a month or two nights a year to head out with some other woman or some other man is idolatry. See? Right? You get everybody everybody knows that. I'm not preaching that you don't know. Everybody knows that, right? It's idolatry when you are not a hundred percent committed and God will not tolerate. Come on. Idolatry. So here's what we need. Randy, come help me. We've got to go. Here's what we need. We need a come to Jesus meeting. We need a come to... Have you ever heard that? I'm from the deep south. So, did y'all say that? Y'all say a bunch of weird stuff. Y'all say that? All right. Come to Jesus meeting. Here's what Jesus said. Here's, here's what a come to Jesus meeting looks like. Here's what he said in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come to all who are... 
Let, let me give you a couple of words. Come to me, everybody who's stressed out and everybody who's worrying and everybody who's maxed out. Come to me, families who can't get it all done. Come to me, single parents who are about to fall apart. Come to me, husbands and wives who are about to leave their marriage because they're so stressed out. Come to me, business owners who don't know how to get it all done. Come to me, moms who feel insignificant if they're not busy all the time. Come to me, come to me, everybody who's weary and burdened and I will give you rest. 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 Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That's what church is about. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I'm not talking about good sleep. I'm talking about good living. That's rest for your souls. Good sleep, you can get an ambient for that. I'm talking about leaving church and resting. Let my soul rest. Where I'm not stressed about money. Where our family doesn't worry about what's... Hey, listen. I don't care what happens. The whole world can burn down to the ground. My trust is not in the government or in money or in my house or in this world. It's not in you. It's not in this. My trust is in Him and Him alone. Stand to your feet. That's rest for your souls. That's rest for your souls. In the modern family, we got to learn margin. Guys, listen, we got to learn margin. We got to get this right. Look at me, listen, look at me. Too many Christian families fall apart. Not for sin. Listen to me. Listen to me. Not because of sin, because of busyness. Because of lack of margin in our lives. I don't want that to be true of us. I want this house to be a place where rest happens. Not sleep, but soul rest. Where people who have... Listen, I want this house to be the place where people who have ran their whole lives... Who have struggled their whole life. Some of you are in the room today. Struggled their whole lives trying to find that next thing that fills me up. That next drug. That next thing. That next feel good. That next relationship. That next marriage. That next house. That next job. That next car. That next boyfriend. That next girlfriend. Better clothes. Better body. Better everything. I got to have more. I got to have more. When they come to Christian life, I want them to go. Rest. Rest. That's a come to Jesus meeting. So your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Thank you for listening to the Christian Life Austin podcast. For more information, please visit clcaustin.com.